This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Joel Horwitz relates digital accessibility to the ramp at the end of every sidewalk. Why was there a time when it wasn't there? Why weren't we thinking about the people who needed those ramps before they were built? While today we can't imagine an intersection or sidewalk without a ramp, the same cannot be said for the internet. On this episode of Marketing Trends, Joel, the chief product officer of AudioEye, discusses why it's time for companies to start complying with ADA regulations everywhere on the web. Plus, he explains the importance of compliance and why his team is making it easy for companies not to be complacent. Enjoy this episode. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends. And today we are joined by special guest, Joel, what's going on? Hey, not much, Ian. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you uh, in the proverbial studio here uh, remotely talking about your role uh, as product and marketing collide uh, ever increasingly in the in the modern landscape. Um, so we're going to talk a bunch about that kind of product marketing uh, intersection. We're going to talk about digital accessibility, which is more important than ever right now with uh, with the uh, pandemic and everything going on in the world. Um, and uh, obviously your background. So first, let's get into it. How did you get started in marketing? You know, I um, I got started in marketing uh, actually not too long ago. Um, I made the transition from engineering to marketing uh, after I worked for Intel for a number of years and decided to go back to school uh, to earn my MBA. Um, and while I was uh, in school for my MBA, I got really interested in product marketing um, and realized that there's a really interesting um, intersection um, between engineering and marketing, uh, whereby you can use data to um, analyze um, a market, you know, look at you know, pricing models, look at uh, financial models, look at um, doing things like conjoint analysis to figure out features in a product. Um, and it just really excited me because I, I never knew that marketing actually had so much math involved. Yeah. And you have had stops in your career at a lot of big companies um, dealing with some really interesting sides of some technical marketing, how data plays into that companies, you know, like Intel, IBM, uh, One Disco, and, and, and now you're working on a, a kind of a different problem. Clearly, data has been in the background of a lot of your, your, your career here. But why were you so excited to join AudioEye? Yeah, you know, I reached um, a certain point in my career where um, I had, you know, worked in the big data, machine learning, you know, analytics category for, um, gosh, uh, a number of years. And I, um, I wanted to really, you know, look at doing some good uh, and doing some social good. And um, a friend of mine introduced me to uh, one of the lead investors in AudioEye. And ultimately, you know, the second he basically told me about, you know, the mission of AudioEye, I just was like, this is, I got to get involved. This sounds, you know, like a great, great mission. And then I went and actually 
um, did some diligence on their technology. And that was even more exciting because I realized um, that they had built um, the foundations of a platform that could um, really be utilized uh, to eradicate uh, barriers to digital access uh, across, you know, for the entire internet. So that goal, that audacious goal of um, really, you know, breaking through um, these barriers and allowing, you know, anyone uh, with a disability to access the web uh, equally was extremely, extremely, um, you know, uh, exciting uh, to me at the time and still is. Yeah. And I think, you know, as we were talking before this and as we've talked in the past, um, this intersection between product and marketing, um, especially with digital companies, especially with companies that you can purchase directly from a website, you never need to talk to sales. Um, it almost feels like there's a shift right now where you have the marketers in those kind of companies are truly at the like the closest relationship to the customer, right? And therefore, you're you're married in right with uh, right with product in a way that you know you never had been before. You know, you're the chief product officer, but you obviously uh, you know, a large part of that is marketing. How do you kind of like you know weave that web between those two things? Yeah, I mean the the trick here um, really comes down to um, design. I think that's really the the glue that you know, sticks, um, you know, the market to product, right? I mean, you hear uh, this idea of product market fit. And so really starting, you know, with, with the customer um, and, and taking a much more customer centric, you know, approach. When I say that to be explicit, what I mean is, um, you know, building out, you know, whether it's a kind of a click through experience um, or some, you know, low fidelity kind of wireframes. And then testing those with, you know, a, with the relevant audience first to get feedback, not only helps you save time, you know, by building the right features and the right product, um, it also, you know, gives you a really strong um, sounding board to test, you know, messaging and positioning. So to me, I think that design is kind of the, the key link uh, between the worlds for sure. So with AudioEye, this is a company that our listeners might not know. Um, and obviously, you're working on really, really interesting stuff with, you know, how digital accessibility is shaping kind of the modern internet world. Um, I'm curious. So for our listeners who don't know, like, what types of things, like, what is the problem that AudioEye is solving? Yeah, I mean, I would say that... Um the, the main problem that AudioEye is solving is ensuring that um, any digital experience or digital content is, is formatted in a way, has the right metadata, um, has the right, you know, visual contrast and, you know, font sizes and all of the key areas that make uh, that content accessible to, to everyone, really, um, and specifically uh, to people with disabilities. And, you know, to put that in perspective, that's about a quarter of all Americans, you know, in the U.S. have um, a form of disability. Uh, the CDC actually just published, I think it was last month, um, as it relates to, um, you know, COVID, uh, that, yeah, 26% of Americans um, have some form of uh, disability. Um, so as they move, you know, from the physical world to the digital world, 
you know, not just to buy, you know, physical products online or, or, you know, or what have you, um, but really to transact um, online and, and be able to, you know, frankly, manage their daily lives. The internet, to a large degree, is essentially dark uh, to those who have disabilities. And so who are the types of companies that you work with? Yeah, we actually work with um, a really broad range, but, um, you know, audio has been around for over 15 years. You know, we've really seen the last five years a significant uptake um, in the large enterprise companies, you know, a large electronics manufacturer. Um, you know, the FCC, for example, has AudioWise on their, on their website uh, to ensure that it's uh, digitally accessible. You know, ADP um, is, a, is a big customer of ours where not only are we making their public-facing uh, content accessible, um, we're also making their, you know, internal applications for, you know, the workforce accessible. So it, it touches so many areas. Um, in addition to that, um, we also, you know, are working with um, a number of key partners. So, um, you know, dealer.com is, is an industry vertical partner um, that frankly um, provides uh, digital accessibility natively um, in their um, platform for practically every dealership um, in the U.S., including Subaru and BMW and many others. Um, so, yeah, we, we really have um, a pretty broad, um, you know, breadth of, of clients at AudioEye. And what does before and after look like? Um, like, what, are, what is that uh, lack of accessibility that they're facing, you know, before they're working with you all? Yeah, you know, you can, um, you know, navigate practically to many of your favorite news outlets, whether it's, you know, Washington Post or New York Times, you know, just to be blunt, like you can go to many of these news outlets um, on your iPhone, um, activate, you know, the accessibility functions. Um, and I think you'll find that, you know, when you activate the, um, the text to voice option, um, it doesn't always work um, as it should. Um, or if you're trying to navigate, you know, on a website on your laptop and you try to tab across, for example, it doesn't necessarily make logical sense if you're, you know, if you're blind, right? It jumps around the site and, um, or just skips over um, critical content uh, that you may need to see or, or be able to have access to. So that's the before. Um, and then the after is, you know, we are able to um, really with a single line of JavaScript um, that you can add to your website, just like Google Analytics or um, any sort of modern, you know, marketing tech uh, technology, you can add our JavaScript and remotely um, we'll audit your site and we'll basically um, apply digital accessibility, you know, best practices that follow the, you know, the WCAG uh, 2.1 standards, um, which there, there are many. And so things like making sure forms uh, function the way they should, making sure that the, you know, site structure um, works the way it should. Um, we also provide, um, you know, a toolbar that allows you to, or, or we also call it a visual toolkit that allows you to dynamically change content on the page. So you can increase or decrease font sizes. You can use um, reading um, tools to help you highlight, uh, you know, text on a page. You can actually change the contrast on the page. Um, so there's lots of, of key accessibility features that, you know, you get on day one um, that doesn't require you to spend, you know, upwards of, you know, 10 to $100,000 to um, go in and, and do this and, and pay, frankly, you know, a highly specialized, you know, developer to go in and actually make these changes at the source. 
You know, th- there's something I, in reading some of the quotes that uh, that you all have have shared with us. Um, I love I love some of these because it kind of challenges the convention of how marketers create websites or you know how product folks create you know the the shopping experience or the user experience but um this one in particular uh when you're accessible you're creating a better user experience not just for those who need a special accommodation or those with a disability you're creating a better experience for everybody coming to your website and i think that that is like the crux of the issue here is it's about like principally going and building your website and your digital experience. And, you know, your website is like the most important piece of property in your marketing arsenal, right? It's like without that, without, uh, without figuring out how to make that work, then, you know, clearly, you know, the, the marketers who listen to the show know that you're leaving tons and tons of money on the table. Well, there's obvious evidence that it's like a percentage of people can't, use your website. They can't buy it from you. They can't figure out how to do these things. It's such an obvious like business case. It's not just about compliance. It's like, this is just, it's the right thing to do, but it's also the smart thing to do. Um, I'm curious, like, as you have those conversations, like, who are you having those with? Is that with marketing leaders? Is it with like IT? Is it like, who, who are the people that kind of like hold the keys to the castle? Yeah, I mean, a lot of, um, so two things um, that are kind of packed into that statement. One is, um, you know, the idea of this uh, curb effect. I don't know if you've heard of this curb effect before, but um, I guess there was a, a time when, um, you know, sidewalks uh, didn't have, you know, ramps built into them, right? Yeah. And, um, and so there was a pretty significant uh, movement to, frankly, cut um, you know, ramps into sidewalks. And what they ended up seeing was that not only, um, was this increasingly, um, you know, helpful to people with disabilities, but it also helped, you know, everybody really, I mean, think about, you know, when you approach, um, a sidewalk that doesn't have a curb or, you know, my six-year-old son is riding his bike down the sidewalk and expects there to be a ramp and, and shoots off the, the sidewalk at a, you know, that's a foot high. I mean, I'm sure we've all felt that kind of cringe, right? And, you know, that's a lot of what it's like, you know, in the digital world. It's, um, you know, you go to a website and, you know, if you aren't really think about, thinking about usability and, and necessarily accessibility, you know, your site is very inaccessible. And so, yeah, you end up getting those curb effects and, and frankly, also SEO um, improvements because um, you have the right metadata. It's easier to navigate. So there's just a lot of, you know, benefit that goes well beyond um, the compliance issue. The other thing I would say uh, quickly here is that, you know, um, there's also uh, a significant um, statement that people I think are now, uh, especially brand marketers um, that are thinking about who want to be, you know, inclusive and have inclusive design, right? And so, you know, nowadays, if you're going out and branding um, and talking about how you're you know, embracing a lot of the social changes that are happening and yet your website isn't accessible, at best, it seems that, you know, you're, you're kind of disingenuous, you know, at worst, you're, you're essentially um, hypocritical, right? So I think we're already seeing a lot of people um, making the move toward digital accessibility. I think the, the lawsuits have kind of helped catalyze this movement. Um, but I, I definitely, you know, we, we've definitely seen a significant uptick, um, in the business this past year. 
And I think there's, it is one of those pieces that like the curb example is great that you don't realize until it's you, right? Like you don't realize that, uh, you know, a little kid could fly off the, uh, could fly off the end of the end of the curb. Um, if you don't have kids or if you're a seasoned bike rider, or if you never ride bikes like myself, um, all of those things that just happen. And I think that part of, uh, the reason, you know, we're excited to, to talk to you today about this is about, you know, this is, it's a business case. It makes sense. It's part of like what we need to do. But the other thing is, like you said, we strive to be able to make our products accessible for everyone. And we just have natural blind spots because it's just not something that, um, that we were able to do. And I think one of the things that the pandemic kind of brought about now that we see all the people we work with and how they work and all these things, and we're, you know, I think seeing our customers better and hopefully being more empathetic and things like that. When you meet the stress test, um, like, you know, and you're, you're, uh, one of the leaders of your company uh, wrote about this, about like, you know, so many of, uh, you know, people over 65 now depend, you know, 100% on the internet to be able to live their life uh, in, a, in a challenging time. Imagine if a percentage of the internet is not available to them. Like it's, it's such a massive need, um, but it's something that I think, you know, marketers specifically have the data and can respond to this in real time. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's exactly the point. I mean, um, COVID has been um, unbelievable in terms of how it has uh, driven awareness for digital accessibility. Um, you think about, for example, the, the record numbers of people um, who have filed for unemployment in the past few months, right? We're talking tens of millions of people going to, you know, the unemployment, um, you know, websites and, you know, what they're doing is they're filling out PDFs, right? They're not, you know, putting um, paperwork in the mail, you know, and sending that, uh, you know, and then, and then waiting to get, you know, registered. Or, so, you know, if those PDFs, for example, aren't accessible, um, then you're essentially discriminating against um, a large population of the workforce slash our community. And so, yeah, it is, it is a matter of being empathetic, but it's also a matter of having equal rights. And, um, you know, recently, um, I think it was, uh, you know, at the end of last year, Domino's uh, actually, in effect, tried to um, take this matter of digital accessibility to um, the Supreme Court, um, and they were basically shot down on their appeal. And so the government and, frankly, people take um, the American Disabilities Act extremely seriously, right? It's, it's um, you know, if your site isn't digitally accessible, it's, you know, in essence, it's like having um, a restaurant that doesn't have a, um, you know, a disability um, parking spot, right, in, its, in, in the parking um, area. So it's, it's a really serious matter. And um, I think people are going to start to see it a lot more, um, especially as, like I said, people are transitioning uh, their lives, you know, um, online. I think it, it hits particularly close to home for me. My dad's been handicapped for many years. So I, you know, have have lived this for a long time in terms of like you know parking spaces and and different sites of uh types of accessibility um you know i've got stopped on the street more than more than one time about like like why do you have a handicap placard it's like my dad's in the car and he can't walk to wherever it is that we're going uh sort of a thing so even you know it's crazy that you meet people like even in real life that are like what are you doing and you're like i 
you know, clearly my family has, has something, uh, a need going on, but seeing him through, you know, through COVID and not being able to see him uh, a ton. Um, but it's, it's all, it's everything it's vision. It's, and he also has, has Parkinson's. So there's that too, but like vision and motor control, dexterity, cognitive function, hearing, like it's all of these different things. And I just think like, you know, again, as marketers, we spend so much time talking about conversational marketing, meeting people where they are, selling, you know, to them in a way that is comfortable for them. And it's like accessibility is is part of that. When you design for like the most popular use case, then you're not often designing for the most uh, the most niche one. And that's where you show that like you do care and that you are being thoughtful and empathetic and thinking through those things. And I think marketers, again, you have the data, you know, you know, you can know why certain people are behaving on your website a certain way with, you know, all of the heat mapping and all that sort of stuff. Like there is, there's rich information there, but the data is, isn't always telling you the, the full story. Yeah, I think most marketers too, um, I think many, you know, look, I think if you enter, if you surveyed the top CMOs, you know, in the world um, and asked them the question, you know, do you support digital accessibility? I think, you know, practically everyone would say yes. I think what ends up happening though um, is when they start look, looking at, you know, the budget, especially now, right, as, you know, we're in this economic situation, sometimes accessibility uh, is viewed as kind of like an add-on or, um, or or essentially overhead. And I think a lot of that has to do with um, because of the fact that accessibility for the longest time had been, frankly, seen as kind of this shift left idea where it was confined or, or really thought of as a, a, as a development, um, you know, check, right, so to speak. So, you know, prior to launching a website or prior to launching, you know, a digital product, um, it went through a series of tests and then it was kind of pushed out, which was not only costly, it was also, you know, timely, right? It would slow down the release of a new product or a website. And so I think part of what we've figured out and that we've been able to break through is, again, it's this idea of not doing this kind of point in time um, accessibility check, but actually having it as an ongoing service and, and frankly, leveraging, you know, distributed computing um, to allow us to continuously monitor, you know, applications and websites um, to ensure that they stay accessible long after that, you know, you've released um, the product or website. Um, so I think, you know, we're trying to uh, really make our marketers aware of the fact that it doesn't have to be a very, you know, extremely costly exercise or timely exercise. Like you can do this today. Like you can go install our JavaScript and at least know, you know, where you stand in terms of accessibility. Like we'll tell you that for free. Well, so that, and that's, I, I wanted to get into that because like, whose job is this? Like, who is the person who holds the buck at the end of the day? Because um, you know, is it your developer? Is it your, you know, CTO? Like, is it your, you know, like, you know what I mean? And th I think that's part of the problem is like, there are some marketers who own the website. There's others who don't, you know? You know, there was a time not too long ago when very large companies, in fact, even some companies that I worked for at the time, um, actually had like a chief, you know, accessibility officer. Um, and for some reason, either people think that like this problem was just solved, or they just lost interest due to budgetary reasons or some other reason. Um, but I haven't seen as many of those, you know, CAOs around, like chief accessibility officers around. 
what we actually see these days though is, is, is it is mostly marketers. It's, it's generally digital marketers um, as well as product managers who recognize that, you know, just like GDPR compliance, right? Um, privacy is no longer, you know, a nice to have. It's you have to be compliant because um, the ramifications are quite significant. Um, for digital accessibility, I mean, the starting fine is like 50 grand and it goes up from there. So it's no longer like an optional kind of thing um, that people just, you know, can, you know, can kind of be complacent about. I think people are really waking up to the fact that you know, this is something that they need to build into how they design and release uh, digital experiences. So like I said, we see this primarily in the marketing department as well as in the product department. And like you said, this is not something that needs to be, it's not a seven-year, you know, digital transformation. It's not some like massive journey that necessarily, you know, is is a $100 million investment. It's like you can get started today and at least like figure out where the heck you're at. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it reminds me a lot of, well, practically every kind of, um, you know, process that's, that's been around um, and that ultimately has been disrupted with, with SaaS solutions, right? It's really no different than, you know, looking at um, the Salesforce or email automation, um, you know, integrations, right? Versus, you know, the larger appliance, you know, offerings, the on-prem kind of um, offerings um, before. So, you know, we're, we're living in, um, you know, an innovative um, time where, where, like I said, it's, it's great that AudioEye has, and, and it's really, um, I'm just really in awe and humbled by um, the incredible work that the team has done. Frankly, having the level of passion that they have, AudioEye is not cutting any corners. We're not, um, you know, sacrificing, um, you know, our integrity or, or the, the level of, of, you know, uh, work that we do to make sites accessible. Like we continuously get the highest marks in terms of um, being compliant um, across the board. So it's amazing that we can provide that level of service um, without necessarily like having to go on site, you know, train the development team, you know, over literally months or years, like you said, like we can do it very, very quickly because a lot of the, you know, what's interesting about the web is that a lot of the components, right, that you find on your website um, are, are actually standardizing more. In fact, what's really interesting is to see how even large companies like Heinz and others I noticed the other day are now actually like moving um, to standard CMS platforms like Shopify, right, or Wix or uh, Squarespace. So, um, you know, what's interesting is that the, the web is actually standardizing more, which makes it even more, you know, um, accessible, you know, which makes it more easy to, um, solve for digital accessibility. Taking a step back, you know, back in your career, you've done a bunch of really interesting campaigns specifically around how marketing integrates with product, uh, how data shapes those things. Uh, any campaigns that stand out, uh, or campaigns or projects that stand out, uh, from, from your years? It was like tapping into the um, the zeitgeist, you know. That's that's like the best feeling in marketing land, right? When you when you really feel like you've captured a movement that has nothing to do with you, you just happen to like see that wave coming and grab onto it. Like I surf here on the Oregon coast, um, and so it's 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 the same kind of feeling. I know it's kind of um, maybe trite or overplayed, but it is like catching a wave. And so 
you know, the number one campaign that I, I really think about most is um, while I was at IBM and we launched the um, Spark Technology Center in San Francisco, um, and we wrapped um, all of the Caltrains. Now, nowadays, it probably wouldn't be the best, <laughs> you know, way to do a campaign, but we wrapped the Caltrains um, and banners. We actually had, you know, these giant banners hanging from every, you know, Caltrain stop um, in the Bay Area. Um, and then we actually... We brought in um, the band called Big Data at the time um, and had them play uh, at our event. So it was just one of the nerdiest yet coolest um, campaigns I think that I've ever you know had the pleasure of being involved in. And yeah, I love the I, man. Nothing like some good uh, some good downtown uh, banners for me. <laughs> uh, if you can afford, I how much do you have any recollection of like the the cost for those type of that type of engagement? It wasn't absurd, you know, but yeah, I think there's been a lot of like really good um, moves there. But yeah, that that one wasn't actually super expensive, believe it or not. I love the out of home takeover stuff because I think some of it is done really poorly, obviously, but some mm. is done really, really well. Um, mm. It was actually funny. So recently we had uh, Megan, the the CMO of trip trip actions on, as you're saying, they're like obviously very travel dependent, uh, as it's their business and they do a lot of airport stuff. Um, and she was like, you know, telling a pretty cool story about how they shifted, uh, went to, to the folks that they work with at the airports of like, Hey, can we figure out a way to get a solution here? Because nobody is, is traveling and, uh, you know, we want to make, make you good mm -hmm. and, and vice versa. But, um, I do think that those out of home campaigns have the ability to cut through the noise um, in not current today and age, because we're all sitting at home, but, um, that those things really do stand out if they're done, if they're done well. Yeah. You know, you're onto a really important point, which is marketers are going to have to get like much more creative, you know, to reach their respective audiences. You know, I mean, I would consider audio to be in the B2B marketing, you know, world yet. I think a lot of, um, even B2B marketers now are starting to think about like, well, you know, we actually need to even go broad, um, you know, almost do like consumer marketing to get awareness for the brand, even if we're still B2B marketing, right? Which is kind of an interesting thing to think about because um, that ultimately means that you have to, you know, cast a much wider net and then find a way to, you know, pull in uh, the right fish, so to speak, right? So it's just a really interesting um, time to be both a product and marketing, um, you know, professional and, you know, one of the other things that I heard come up the other day, and I'm, I'm kind of curious, I, I want to try to find some stats, but, um, you know, people have talked a lot about doing like direct mail, you know, so like actually sending physical cards or, or adverts to um, prospective, you know, customers. So I'd be curious if that's kind of gone up with everyone kind of working from home. Um, and then the last thing I would say is that what we've also kind of figured out recently is like, you know, when you get um, a work phone number, you know, no one tends to be at the office, right? So, you know, we've gotten so kind of used to thinking people are in an office. So you ask for their business phone number or business address, and it turns out no one's at the business, right? So it, it's definitely becoming a lot more personal. Um, so it's like finding that, that line, you know, where you can overstep, right, in terms of getting into someone's personal, you know, life or space. But at the same time, you know, trying to be respectful of that, but, you know, at the same time, still trying to reach your intended market. So it's a, it's a really um, fascinating time to be a marketer for sure. 
Yeah, I love the new um, little solutions where it's like a company that creates some sort of like customized swag or some sort of uh, thing, mm. but it's a third party pass through. So it's like, I don't give my physical address to the vendor, I give it to this third party. And then the, so both sides are like able to connect, but I, I'm not getting, um, I'm not giving my information to a vendor who can then like, you know, send me, I, I absolutely hate getting physical mail because <laughs> I think it's very wasteful. Um, mm. and so much of it is garbage, but like, you know, always open to gifts. If you want to send uh, the team of marketing trends, a gift, we're always, always looking for that. Um, and if we can't use it, we'll get, get it to someone who can. But stuff like that, I think, is a really creative solution, especially when you can opt into like what the gift is or you can, you know, some people you can give a donation to a charity or all sorts of stuff. Like, I think that that is thoughtful and relevant. Some people, you know, some people don't like it, but, you know, some people uh, are just hard to reach. So stuff like that, I, I think, is really cutting edge and interesting. Yeah, you know, that's, um, you're on a good point. And um, it is something that we do at AudioI. You know, we do actually donate to a lot of um, charities, um, especially, obviously, for um, charities that focus specifically on people with disabilities. Um, one of the things that we've started, you know, that we're looking at doing is exactly what you said is instead of, you know, sending out um, potentially more swag or things of that nature, but, you know, partnering with um, brands where, whereby, you know, if they, you know, make um, maybe a nonprofit or frankly, school districts, which are really struggling right now, right? Uh, and, all, and as they are bringing all of their content online, right, for their um, students, right, helping to, to frankly do the social good um, and making that content digitally accessible for free and at the same time getting a brand involved um, to help sponsor some of that. So that's, that is something that we've been doing um, in, in small tests here and there, but I think it's an area that we're exploring because like I said, I think they're, you know, with Nike and everyone who's really taking, you know, aligning their brands, you know, to social good and social interest. That's why I think this um, digital accessibility trend is not going to slow down. It's only going to increase as people become much more aware of the issue um, and recognize that again, it's not just a matter of compliance, but it's a matter of integrity. Joining a company that has been around for a number of years that has, you know, pioneered a, a market that clearly needs more, um, needs more evangelism, needs more marketing. Um, I'm curious, like, how do you look at, you know, the next 10 years? Uh, how do you, you know, not with a crystal ball, but just like from a mindset standpoint of kind of where this company needs to go and uh, where the market needs to go? Yeah, that's um, that's a really good question, and and I, I pause um, to answer only because um, it's like you know how much do I want to give away, so to speak, you know. Um, but you know, look, I mean, as more and more you think about um, how do you inter interact um, with the web, right? I mean, Alexa, uh, for obvious reasons, um, has you know interacting and ordering. Um, services or products, you know, via voice, right? Not through a website, I think is just, you know, is just emerging. Obviously, you know, as we're working from home and as we become more aware of, you know, social distancing, you know, how do you still get that human connection, right? I think the connections that um, we've built up over the years as marketers, I mean, that's a big part of this, um, are starting to fray a little bit. And so I think about, you know, um, virtual reality. Um, so another, 
you know, a company in, um, in Cerro Capital's portfolio, um, First Contact actually, um, you know, is focused on that is, is virtual reality, um, particularly in, in the gaming industry. But you can start to think about their technology being used for, you know, virtual offices, right, or virtual collaboration spaces. So, um, and, and then, so you think about that. And so all of those digital experiences, not just your, your, your content, um, but the experience itself needs to be accessible, right? So I think there's just, you know, the sky's a limit with AudioEye in terms of where this can go. But I'm just, you know, I'm just happy to be, you know, on the mission um, with them uh, because it is an area that really needs to, you know, to be solved and, and, and those barriers really do need to be eradicated. All right, let's get into our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy. Just like marketing with Salesforce, you can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more about marketing on the world's number one CRM. We love Salesforce, been with us since the first episode, since before that, really. Um, and uh, we love them. So check them out, salesforce.com slash marketing. Lightning round questions. Joel, are you ready? I am ready. Number one, what app on your phone is the most fun? I like all the drawing apps, just like the coloring ones, like Pigment. Um, I know that's not really an iPhone, but it's more of an iPad kind of app. But I, I really meditate when I'm, when I'm drawing. I like those ones a lot. What habit have you picked up during Shelter in Place? Definitely meditation. So I guess it's kind of related to the last one. But um, the Calm app, I just, um, you know, uh, Tara Levitt's voice, you know, I don't know. Like, I think she just was born having a very soothing voice for some reason. And um so the Calm app is like my go-to. I try to meditate every day for at least 10 minutes. What is your best advice for first-time head of marketing? Um, know the customer. You know, um, get out into the field. You know, um, sit with your sales team. You know, feel you know, what they feel. Go through a you know, full deal cycle. Really understand end-to-end you know, what a sale experience looks like for your company. You know, know that well. Um, before you start making any sorts of changes or recommendations. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? I guess it's probably pretty trite, but it's like, who would I would like to, um, you know, meet who has already passed away? Oh, yeah. Who would you? I think Albert Einstein's one of my, you know, go-tos. I just think he's just one of those, you know, between Albert Einstein and Richard Feynman, I'm a big physics fan. I think maybe I would have gone into physics had I not done marketing or, or product. I mean, that's easier said than done, I know. But, um, but yeah, I would have liked to um, spend some time with like Richard Feynman or Albert Einstein. They seem to be pretty fun guys to hang out with. Well, Joel, that's it. That's all we got for today. Any final thoughts? Anything to plug? Yeah, just go um, help us eradicate, you know, barriers to digital access. Go to audioi.com and uh, sign up today and you can get started. Yeah, go check it out. It's, uh, it's easy, to, uh, easy to engage with. So, uh, Joel, thanks again. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Ian. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing.
you have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.